previously on the Sick Invite Podcast. Have you been on that jungle gym? Oh, you don't understand. I got I got released from the hospital a week before. It was that time. So I literally missed it by a week. Trust me, I was pretty upset about that. You are now listening to the Sick Invite Podcast with Kayla Herb and Ricky Grimes. Hello, my name is Kayla Herb. And I'm Ricky Grimes. And this is The Sick Invite Podcast, a storytelling show about all ailments. Big or small, chronic or temporary, The Sick Invite provides an inclusive space for you to share your story. What is wrong with you? Uh, with me? Yes. Uh, no, I'm I'm good, actually. I just, it's been raining all week, and uh, I've been a little, I think I'm getting some seasonal, de- de- well, that's, I guess that would be seasonal depression. That would just be precip- precipitation. Well, you would find that out if you uh, went to therapy. What, what do you mean? What the, about the seasonal depression? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I just. I wish. I would just like a little sunshine. I agree. I. I feel you on that. How are you today? I'm also sad because it's dark very early. Yeah. And when it's cloudy, it's hard to decipher if this is daytime darkness or nighttime darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just all darkness. <laughs> it's all darkness. <laughs> this show is brought to you by KaylaHerb.com, where knit blankets, custom quilts, private photography sessions, and other homemade items are available for purchase and custom order. Please subscribe to our show, comment, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sick Invite Podcast, and please tell your friends. We also have some merchandise available on the SickInvitePodcast.com, including our What's Wrong With You shirts, mugs, stickers, and buttons. We are now on Patreon. For $3 a month, you can get early access to our episodes, behind-the-scenes content, 10% off KaylaHerb.com, stickers, and much more. Okay, so uh, I didn't get much from, from Klaus uh, today. I got a comment for producer Klaus. Oh, what's that? Well, uh, I t- we got we have some feedback from somebody who left a review on our uh, podcast through Apple Podcasts. They said the show is informative, inspiring, and funny, but the producer needs to check himself. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. Listen, I I hate that I I've maybe maybe my uh, um. Uh, characterization of uh, producer Klaus has, I think, uh, garnered the audience to have a uh, bad opinion of him. But uh, maybe I'm uh, incorrect, though. Maybe I'm. Maybe that's no, no, no. You are. Out. You are correct. I took a poll on Instagram to find out this information. What's our Instagram again? The Instagram is at the Sick Invite Podcast. Uh-huh. So on our story, I wrote Klaus sucks. Yes or no? And they had to choose yes or no. Mm-hmm. 78% of people agree that yes, Klaus sucks. Wow. <laughs> but a solid 22% agree. Now, what does that Don't mean? agree. Now, and they say he does not suck. Now, I wonder what that means. Do they think that he's doing a poor production job? Because maybe I would agree with that. I mean, the levels sometimes are out of control. But the you know the guy's trying you know i would think i mean i don't even know you know he may live uh, somewhere we don't he's maybe out of the country who knows i don't know where he, even if he has a place to live i don't know it might be being a little harsh on him for these people you i know? think it's just it's not specific to the product or the service or whatever i think it's just across the board he sucks well i think that well listen i think i think that both the audience and myself have been a little hard on producer klaus and uh, I'm going to say right here, I think next episode, the next episode to come out, or maybe not, depending on the order in which we've pre-recorded this, but one of these episodes is going to be Klaus Appreciation Day, you know, because I think he's been uh, dogged for too long, and uh, frankly, if he leaves, it's going to be a lot more work for me. So, I and you know, contract's coming up, so I think next episode 
will be Klaus Appreciation Day. What do you think about that, Kayla? Well, luckily we got some merchandise for him. Yeah, we have the merchandise for him. You know, I think it'll I think it'll be a fun time. We'll, you know, we'll. Uh, well, 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 you know, we, we needed some positive uh, reviews. So, you know, what you could do is also maybe you should make sure you go and uh, give us some reviews. Uh, you mentioned the Instagram, uh, not Instagram, the uh, Apple podcast review. Mm-hmm. Very important to get those reviews in. So if you want to say some positive stuff about class, now is the time to do it. You could say some nice stuff about me. Everyone already says nice stuff about Kayla. So that's fine. You can just continue <laughs> to do that. On today's show, we have Nick Chufo. So, Nick, what's wrong with you? Hi, um, I'm Nicholas, and I have something that's called latex fruit syndrome. And I'm also going to talk about my brother, who unfortunately was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia and lymphoma. That's interesting that you both have so many issues going on. But I'm going to start with you, since we have you here today. What exactly is latex fruit syndrome? Everybody else who's been on, I've had like somewhat of an idea of what they were talking about. I've never heard of this. Yeah, I mean, it's something that a lot of people haven't heard of, and uh, it took me a while to pinpoint what exactly was was wrong with me. So um, latex fruit syndrome is something that affects people who have a natural rubber latex allergy or have latex sensitivity. So I actually don't have a natural rubber latex allergy, but I am sensitive to latex, meaning if I put on latex gloves, I'll get my hands will get itchy or irritated, but I won't have a true allergic reaction. Um, Yeah. So what latex fruit syndrome is, though, is that there are fruits, namely like banana, avocado, kiwi, and chestnut that share proteins with um, proteins that come from the rubber tree. And there's actually a whole laundry list of foods that that cross react with um, proteins in the in the rubber tree so of this list of foods is that the kind of thing that's like they're in foods you wouldn't even think about just like as inactive ingredients or things like do you have to read every label now (laughs) yeah exactly i mean so um primarily in banana there is a protein called chitinase and um so if i have a banana i get very very sick like I'll vomit, I will have, you know, hives, you know, all over my stomach, all over my legs. Um, I'll be very nauseous and tired. So, um, you know, every fruit or vegetable is different because there's over 200 proteins that come from from the rubber tree. So if with these kind of reactions, like, do you need like an EpiPen or something or... So I do have an EpiPen um, because anytime latex um, reactions are involved, you know, you could potentially go into, you know, anaphylactic shock. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I have thankfully not gone into anaphylactic, uh, anaphylactic shock yet. So I haven't made use of it. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, it seems like it's so serious that they should have figured this out right away so what took so long that they right i mean so (laughs) i i I found out about this about eight years ago and what's interesting is that you know eight years ago eight or nine years ago i was 19 right and Mm -hmm. you know when you think about food allergies you think about like peanut butter right somebody with a peanut allergy and that's something that develops when you're very young um but you can actually develop an allergy to anything at any time and um I was getting lots of stomach aches, um, you know, about eight or nine years ago, like probably once a week, I was getting a stomach ache. 
And I was worried at first because there's a lot of stomach issues in my family. My grandmother died from stomach cancer. Um, you know, I have a cousin who has ulcerative colitis. I have, you know, an aunt who actually just passed away from Crohn's disease. So I was worried at first that this was going to be something, you know, chronic and serious that I, you know, um, wasn't really going to be able to do anything about. So, you know, after a while of putting up with the stomach aches, I went to my doctor, I told him my symptoms and we talked about, okay, maybe, you know, I'm just not eating right. Um, potentially maybe I have celiac disease, diverticulitis, um, or maybe a gluten allergy or something. So we did all these blood tests and whatnot and nothing came back. Um, he was like, your blood work is fine. You know, it's probably just what you're eating. You know, you got to eat healthy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, but I don't really eat that bad, yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. um, it, it turned out that it kept getting worse and worse until one day I had, you know, I had a banana in the morning and I like a few hours later, um, I wasn't feeling too well. And, and the reason I never really made the connection is because, you know, the symptoms, the onset of the symptoms um, took a few hours to, mm. to, to come on. So I wasn't feeling that well, but I was still hungry. So I had some chips and guac from Chipotle, which, you know, very popular. <laughs> and I was, excuse me, I was done. I was out. Like, you know, uh, my stomach felt like it was melting. I, you know, I just, I just wanted to die, right? That's how much pain I was in. So I went back to my doctor and I was like, listen, all I had today or yesterday, whatever the day was, I had banana and avocado, right? Like, is there something there, you know? And he said, okay, you know, that sounds like maybe you have an allergy to those foods. And I was like, yeah, okay, uh, I know. So we did, we did an allergy <laughs> test and it came back clear, um, you know, didn't have any allergies, didn't show any allergies. And I was so confused. I felt so gaslighted. I was like, there's no way that I'm not allergic to these foods. So I call my doctor again and I'm like, listen, where, you know, um, you know, I, I'm getting sick all the time and I feel like it's the banana and the avocado. And he was like, okay, let me, let me look at your, your test results again. Turns out that they never actually tested for banana and avocado because it's so rare that it's not, it's not part of like a normal workup. Mm -hmm. So we sent out for blood work again. And then um, they find that I'm allergic to, to banana, avocado, kiwi, chestnut, and, um, and the whole nine yards. I'm so happy you were so persistent in getting your answer because so many people just take the test and go, oh, I guess that's not what's wrong with me. But and you're, you're right. There are so many really serious issues that it could be. And luckily, this is something that you can manage. But I, I know so many people listening who message me all the time that they have stomach issues and that their tests came back clear. I'm like, OK, well, ask again. Yeah. Next, write down exactly what is going wrong with you. I kept a food diary um, when I was really bad. That was suggested by my nutritionist to help me personally nar narrow down what foods I couldn't eat. So, yeah. and then even your professional doctor <laughs> couldn't right. get it right the first time. So just right. ask and for tests over and over and over again until you're feeling what kind well. of What kind of doctor was it? So actually the first time around when I, when I did the first allergy test, it was actually a nurse practitioner who worked in um, the doctor's office. So it was a primary care. Um, and so after the initial test result of it coming back clear, 
I called my, you know, my primary care physician and he was the one who was like, okay, like, let's, let's try this again and actually ask for, you know, specifically to test the banana avocado allergy. Yeah. I don't think people realize that they can ask for specific tests and you can, it might not be covered based on whatever, like if you're having no symptoms and you're like, I would like a full body MRI, maybe they're not going to cover it. But for things like this, SM, they might not be thinking of it, especially when it's your general practitioner, because this is your whole body and there's so many things that could be going wrong that sometimes they need someone to kind of zoom in on a specific thing for them. So please, if you're listening, you're not feeling well, don't be afraid to ask. Right. And, you know, it also felt, you know, at the time, you feel like you're going crazy. You're like, Mm -hmm. I know I'm getting these stomach aches. I know something's wrong, but it it feels, it almost feels like nobody nobody really understands it kind of feels like people are just thinking you're crying wolf yeah exactly i i feel you there i um i know a lot of people like i'm i'm curious if this happened to you if they ever told you like oh it's probably just irritable bowel syndrome did they ever tell that to you yeah that was that was on the table yeah. they were like it could you know it could be ibs or whatever they were calling it ibd at the time like mm-hmm. yeah yeah it seems to be a catch-all for any sort of like stomach issue they, yeah, a lot of people get that and then they're that. just like stuck at IBS. I was stuck there for like eight years. I'm like, I know other people with IBS and they don't have blood in their stool, <laughs> you know? Right. It's yeah. it just keep asking questions. Like even if you have a diagnosis or have a clear test, ask again and again and again. It doesn't mean that it's true. <laughs> so right. how did you feel? Yeah. How did you feel once you had, they came back with the test results and it was kind of affirming what you had thought? How, what kind of feelings did you have at that point? Um, I felt validated. I was like, I was right, you know? I mean, it took me a long time to figure it out. Um, but once you get that test result and, and you realize like, okay, I wasn't crazy this whole time, mm-hmm. um, that felt really good. And now obviously I avoid banana avocado like the plague and, you know, I'm, I, I do pretty well. And banana and avocado, like when you have, if they say you have irritable bowel syndrome, especially if you're having like diarrhea and stuff, that's like one of the top foods they tell you to have. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And if, you're, if you have this allergy, then it's going to, you know, be much worse. Yeah, it's interesting because, Kayla, you're right. It's like if it, if, if you're having irritable bowel syndrome and then your stomach was uncomfortable, those are kind of the foods that you would kind of go to. So that could have been a really vicious cycle of kind of like what they were recommending you to eat versus what was actually affecting you. So that's it's. So how long did this whole process take from start to uh, finish in terms of like, I want to say, yeah, I want to say probably about six to eight months. Um, you wow. know, it took me a little while to like figure out that to make the connection that it was actually like, you know, it was something that I was eating, um, and not necessarily like some kind of like disease or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I figured that out, you know, I, you know, went down the route of looking into the allergies. Allergy. And I like that you were, you mentioned before that, you don't have to necessarily be born with an allergy or develop it early in your childhood. Cause I think a lot of people, there's like a stigma to let's say um, a gluten intolerance or celiac and people be like, Oh, that wasn't around when I was a kid. Be like, well, it's around now and people are getting diagnosed. And I mean, I saw like last year or something, Ariana Grande was in the hospital cause she's suddenly allergic to tomatoes now. And, oh no! And she was like, as an Italian woman, this is devastating. Yeah. Well, what's, um, so what's it happens. Funny, yeah. What What's funny is that you bring up tomatoes. Is that um, with um, this allergy, allergy, there is like a whole host of 
foods that you know could potentially be cross-reactive. And for me, um, even up until this year, I'm still finding foods that I get sick from. You know, just a couple months ago, I had trail mix and you know, that night I started um, vomiting profusely. So, um, you know, I looked at the ingredients in the trail mix and I saw that there was papaya in it, like little, very tiny candied pieces of papaya. And, um, you know, I looked online that apparently it's a cross-reactive food. Um, I'm sensitive to eggplant, um, different types of melons, passion fruits, uh, thankfully not tomatoes, so I can still eat, you know, pizza and all that kind of stuff. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's very, you know, I have to be very cautious. Um, just a few weeks ago, my uncle made me a salad for, for lunch. He invited me over for a salad and, um, you know, I asked him, you know, what was in the salad? He was like, oh, nothing you're allergic to, you know, it's just strawberries, cucumbers, almonds, lettuce, um, and some, you know, some lemon dressing, you know, so I'm eating it. And um, I said, oh, how'd you make the dressing? He said, oh, you know, some lemon juice, avocado oil. And I was like, oh, no, you know, so immediately, you know, I ran home to take a Benadryl, but it's just, you know, yeah, I have to be very cautious whenever I eat something. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like, it's those tiny ingredients that you don't always realize too. Exactly. Yeah. Do you find it difficult to enjoy uh, like a lot of social events or involving food and around eating oh, yeah. and, and stuff? Do oh, you find yeah. it hard to enjoy those types of things now? Yeah, because, you know, I'm always thinking about it. You know, again, maybe a month ago, um, I went out to an outdoor restaurant for the first time, you know, obviously because of COVID. And, <laughs> you know, I went to a Korean place. And um, I got Korean tacos and on the menu, you know, the ingredients are listed, you know, it was like some kind of beef, you know, lettuce and pico de gallo. I get the tacos and I noticed that there's some kind of like very light green sauce in it. And I took a bite and I was like, this doesn't taste like pico de gallo. So, you know, I call over the waitress and, you know, I said, is, is this avocado? And she said, no, no, we don't use avocado in our tacos. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, okay, let me ask the chef. She comes back and she said, yeah, we ran out of pico de gallo. So the chef is using an avocado sauce. And I was like, oh God, <laughs> you know? So it's wow. just, you really have to be careful and kind of like inspect what you're eating. Um, and it kind of takes the joy out of the experience for sure. Do you find that people give you a hard time about your allergy? Like is um, that you're being dramatic or something? Yes. Yes and no. Um, definitely my friends, um, you know, kind of try to make fun of me in like a very nice way. Um, <laughs> but other people are like, oh, you know, that's not real. Like uh, people aren't allergic to those types of foods or, you know, what is fruit latex syndrome? Like it sounds like that's something that's made up. And, you know, so it kind of feels a little like, you know, it's obviously not like I'm not going to die from it, hopefully, but it does feel like, you know, this isn't your problem. Like, leave me alone you know mm -hmm. it does consume your life i mean it's right. food and that's like a major part of people's entertainment especially yeah. in quarantine yeah but yeah i think a lot of people have that kind of reaction to allergies or even sensitivities and i don't know why people give an attitude about 
food sensitivities like why would you make fun of somebody because they don't want to eat something because it makes them gassy you know right. <laughs> it's yeah. I, it seems like a valid answer to not want to eat it but for some reason I mean I think our generation's a little better with it but you have so many people that are like mm, back in my day there were no peanut allergies and then right. Ricky I mean, what right. comedian was that where he was like no they were they just died <laughs> oh no uh, I think it was it may have been Todd Glass where he said that they they used to have have, uh, there was no peanut allergies when I was a kid, and they're like, "Yes, there was. They were just called like un, un, undetermined deaths or something like that, could, <laughs> yeah. unknown really cause terrible. of death or something like that." Um, when you found out about this particular allergy, how, did you do a lot of uh, research on your own, or did you have to give you they give you a lot, bunch of pamphlets, or how did you did like kind of I don't know what you know I know for we talk about this with Kayla like once she figured out what she had going on she basically researches it constantly and, and gets involved with different people and learns as much as she can. Is that something that comes natural to you or did you feel like you had to do it or, you know what I mean? Yeah, what's kind of, what's interesting about the latex fruit allergy or, you know, syndrome is that, so only about 1%, um, 1% to 6% of Americans have a latex um, allergy or sensitivity. And then only about 30 to 50% of those people actually have, um, you know, a cross reactivity with, um, you know, fruits and other vegetables. Mm. So at the time, you know, back in 2012, when I was trying to research this, there wasn't really a lot of information. Um, there was just some kind of blurb and table of fruits and vegetables on, you know, like kind of like the, you know, latex allergies site. Uh, website. Um, you know, there's wow. more information now. There's been more longitudinal studies, um, and that definitely makes me feel more validated. But at the time, there there wasn't really a lot of information. So I'm guessing if you would have had this discovery, if they or you were doing these tests, maybe even a few years prior, then it would have even been more difficult to determine. So maybe it's yeah, for sure. When, when you did, um, it's, it's not something that's very common. Well, I mean, even so, 2012 doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, right, that's what I mean. Especially because yeah. that's the year I graduated high school. So to me, I'm like, oh, that was last year. Um, right. <laughs> but it really is a long time in terms of research and right, even right, in right. social media reach. Like right now, I just, you know, uh, disassociate and go through my uh, Instagram reels for hours and just watch that stuff. And I obviously just from you know, my algorithm, it's all like medical stuff that I see. And a lot of it is, um, you know, stomach issues that people have. And I've seen a lot of nutritionists or physical therapists or whatever going on about, hey, are you experiencing this? It could be a cause of this. You should ask to see this doctor or you should ask to have this test done. Just kind of shedding light on things that aren't well known. Um, like an allergy like that, or like I've been learning a whole lot about the pelvic floor in the last couple of weeks. So I, I think social media is great in that regard. And I think that people are uh, really into sharing or oversharing like me, all their issues on social media. And it kind of brings together a new community. So did you ever, I guess maybe 2012 might've been too, the social media wasn't like it was now, but do you ever identify in that regard? You know, I actually, to be honest, I've never sought out like a, a community for this issue. Um, and um, maybe I will after this, now that you mention it. I, I don't actually know anybody else who has this this issue. Mm -hmm. 
So, so yeah, maybe I'll go on Instagram reels and see if there's anybody out there. Yeah, look up the hashtag. Maybe it's just you, but I don't think so. <laughs> um, but I love that stuff because like you'll see like there might be somebody who has like specific diets and different recipes that you could try. I see that a lot with like gluten-free stuff. Yeah. Um, so you, you never there's a there's a group for everybody, especially on social media. <laughs> with this allergy, are there any go to uh, meals and or foods that you have or I guess maybe in terms of like takeout or anything like that? That's like uh, like fast food or, or like something that people get all the time that you can have to modify that you get all the time something yeah um so obviously very sadly i had to give up avocado and guacamole so that yeah. was really sad um i haven't actually found a replacement for that so i'm right. open to suggestions um the other thing was smoothies right um a lot of mm. people you know probably drink like protein smoothies or they like to have it as a snack and banana is Pretty much if you go to tropical smoothie and every smoothie, it has banana, right? Because it's, uh, you know, it binds ingredients together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whenever I get a smoothie, I have to make sure that I ask for, you know, some kind of replacement, put it in an allergy blender. Um, you know, it's not quite the same because the smoothie is very runny. Um, but yeah, you know, I just really with this allergy, it's all about avoidance um, and keeping this stuff out of your diet, um, you know with this whole covid thing i had to make sure i was avoiding everybody's banana bread that they were suddenly making <laughs> right, right. Um, so so yeah it's really just about avoidance you mentioned an allergy blender i actually don't know what the, i'm assuming you just mean it's a, a blender that they use separate from all the other stuff i'm guessing yeah oh, yeah, okay. yeah just something that they clean separately and, and they, they keep different you know they clean it all the time so if you go to a restaurant do you have to tell them prior to so they don't cook anything with anything else is that something you have to note for them is yeah, yeah, I try to tell them, uh, you know, I just try to ask, like, do you know if this is cooked with avocado oil? Like, right, um, right. if I go to like a Mexican restaurant, especially, um, I will let them know that I have an avocado allergy, um, you know, or, you know, even plantains I'm allergic to. So mm -hmm. keeping my food away from that stuff um, is, is, is helpful to let them know. Do That's you hard. have a? Oh, okay. oh, I'm sorry, Kayla. I just I was curious because only because my memory is so bad. Do you actually have keep like a a cheat sheet or or a list of of all of the stuff that you had mentioned before, or is it all pretty much committed to memory at this point? Um, you know what? It like I said, you know, it's kind of like I'm always learning what foods I'm sensitive to, mm -hmm. and I kind of cross validate that with the list. If I eat something and I'm having like stomach pain and it feels like I just, you know, had an avocado, like that kind of feeling. I, I'll right, go right. to the list and I'll look at it and I'll say, oh, you know, eggplant is on that list. That would have been nice to know. Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. It stinks that you have to, like you said, it's an avoidance allergy because it's not like, you know, when people have a, a celiac disease or a gluten intolerance or things like that, there's so many replacements like rice or quinoa or whatever they have. Um, same thing with dairy and this like how do you replace an avocado <laughs> right you don't right a lot of these these fruits and vegetables they're distinct on their own and you know i just have to make do without and you know your your allergic reaction can be different every time so you know i'm i'm petrified of, of going into anaphylactic shock mm -hmm. um so I'll, I'll have to do without avocado and bananas and, and the like 
Well, I'm sorry that this happened to you. It seems it's like I mean I I know that it's I don't want to say just an allergy or like diminish it, but it is kind of devastating to oh, have yeah. food ripped no, from your life. It's, it's it's a real it's a real uh, uh, thing. Like it's a real it's issue. It's a life that, change. Absolutely. That's what, that's what I was looking for. A life changing <laughs> thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was the other thing I was going to ask is in terms of have you ever traveled internationally and has that how did how does that work in terms of like because I know that when we went to uh, we went to Paris uh, a year or so ago and just getting anything to eat normally is pretty difficult just reading the menus and and that kind of stuff did you ever do any international travel with this issue and how did yeah, that work um, out you know I've been to to Europe plenty of times and I, you know again I find that my allergy you know I'm pretty lucky in that like. I have to actually consume something before it impacts me, right? It's not like a mm -hmm. peanut allergy where, you know, if somebody has it on the plane and it's like an airborne kind of thing. Um, so if I, if I do, you know, whenever I like, you know, whenever I go out to eat, um, even if it's internationally, I do my due diligence about asking as many questions as I can. And uh, right. ultimately sometimes I'll just go for something that's plain. Um, you know, whether it's like a steak and broccoli, like I know that that doesn't have avocado or banana or passion fruit or, you know, any yeah. kind of uh, food that I would be allergic to on it. Right. Yeah, so you have your safe food still. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But I mean, like Kayla was saying, you actually like with something like this or with most allergies or all allergies, you actually have to be, you know, very much an advocate for yourself. If you, if you be, you know, being polite in certain scenarios could be, you know, you know, physically damaging or risk your life so that, that that's tough to have right. to have that burden on you so that's uh, do you have any sort of techniques that you do to deal with that with just um, persistence just yeah. persistence like you know i brought up the story about you know this year with that those korean tacos you know the waitress was trying to tell me that no we don't use avocado and you know she was very you know very nice but very kind of like no no it's not avocado and you really have to be kind of uh persistent and right. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've known you for uh, a long time. You were my creative writing class in ninth grade. Um, <laughs> but they, I, I mean, I've always known you, you were never a, a shy person. So I think that maybe somebody who's listening now be like, Oh, well, it's not that easy to speak up. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not that shy either. So I don't really have advice to that ricky if this happened to you because you're a little bit more reserved in that regard well um, i mean i mean would I, I would well here's the thing is that I, that's kind of what my question was kind of thinking about. i was thinking about if this was me because a lot of the times like you know you'll order a a a, a coke and they'll bring over a ginger ale and I'll, just, and I'll just say like all right whatever i guess i'll have it i guess i'll have ginger ale like rather than have to bother some uh, some waiter or waitress, but you know, I suppose if you know, obviously in a certain condition where my life, life, my life was in danger, then I would kind of, uh, I have the privilege to not have to do that type of thing, I suppose. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if I'm setting a bad precedent. So I don't know. I, I guess I have to think about that a little bit in terms of you what know, I sh um, should do. Not to cut you off, Ricky. No, please. Um, but you, you know, it also it takes some learning and it takes some practice because there have definitely been incidents where, you know, to, somebody said before about being polite and, you know, I've ended up on, you know, the wrong end of the, you know, toilet, right? Like I mm -hmm. was vomiting all night because I didn't think to ask or I was too shy to ask about something. And, right. you know, that's how you learn. Um, so, you know, if you are shy, you know, it, it, it will probably take some practice. Yeah. Being persistent. 
And I think that um, a lot of people, especially going out and dealing with people like retail or uh, any food service workers, they want to be extra polite because they know that there are people that are not that polite to them. So they don't want to be that person. But I don't think that when it comes to your health, it's not rude to double check or to ask again. It's not like you're saying, I wanted five ice cubes in my Diet Coke. It's, it's not like that at all. So I just, if anybody needs validation to speak up, I am giving that to you right now. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so those are all the questions I had for fruit latex syndrome. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we go into your brother's issues? No, I think we, we covered it. Yeah, I think, I, I think that this was really, I mean, allergies is something that I'm, I, I don't have anything to deal with i've never dealt with any sort of allergy before you know so um it's always in, you know important to hear you know that from other people and 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 how the, and how that works for them so i thank you for talking about that because i'm sure that's been something that's i'm sure it's something that's on your mind constantly you know because mm-hmm. of that very reason so right. um so thank you for sharing all that and maybe we should get like uh you know like you said maybe you can get more a uh, little uh online community going to other people maybe with this they can kind of all be in the same boat <laughs> if we if, if wanted to. Allergy support group. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make some t-shirts. <laughs> um, so your brother couldn't be on the show with us today, but you're going to be speaking on his behalf. His name is Kyle, correct? And what is wrong with him? So my brother Kyle has um, a type of cancer. He has two types of cancer. One is called acute myeloid leukemia, and the other is called lymphoma. So you know what's when you sent that to me, I I just kind of grouped them together. I assumed they were the same thing. I didn't realize that it was two different cancers. Right, they're two separate cancers. Acute myeloid leukemia is um, a cancer of the myeloid progenitor cells in your bone marrow. And the lymphoma is a cancer of lymph, uh, lymphoma cells in your lymph nodes. And then how did they figure out that he had these, both of them? So um, primarily my brother's presenting symptom was generalized itching. And at first he had thought for months that it was some type of eczema. And, um, you know, he was given creams and, you know, steroid creams from the dermatologist and nothing was really helping. So he ended up just going to his primary care physician, doing blood work, and that's when they realized something was up. Um, so what happens with uh, myeloid leukemia is the in your bone marrow, um, that's where your white blood cells and all of your other types of cells are made. And the cells of the myeloid lineage get, get stuck in a stage called the myeloblast stage. And it begins to proliferate. Something goes wrong with the genetic code and they just proliferate and proliferate and they crowd out all of your other cells. Um, and it's pretty rapid. And so they can see that um, when they do like a, you know, uh, your platelet counts will start dropping in, in your blood work. Um, and then they'll do like a like a bone marrow biopsy and they'll be able to see the, the myeloid cells in, in the bone marrow. So he's... Um... A lot like you then, persistent in getting answers. Yeah, um, something something that, was up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing to ignore. Uh, what's interesting is 
so when I we first started this podcast, I, my little sister told me she was like, "Oh, I'm not going to listen to your show because now I'm going to be nervous that I have all of these things." And I don't want to make anyone listening nervous that the, you know if they have like a hangnail that it's cancer, but it's the importance of getting your routine checkup and getting that blood work annually is so important and it can explain so many things that you might not think are a big deal but actually are huge deal like cancer two different types of cancers right so i'm really happy that he went for that checkup <laughs> so so would they have figured it out otherwise do you think from the from the, the rash checkup yeah if they did if you if you did blood work and they noticed a drop in the counts of your blood uh, some of your blood lines they would probably send you to a blood specialist and that's exactly what they did for my brother so the primary care physician noticed his counts were starting to drop off significantly um, and that's because with the my with leukemias uh, specifically the myeloid leukemia um, your your the, your cells are no longer getting to the last stage so they're not turning into platelets they're not turning into white blood cells they're not turning into red blood cells um, and you can you can pick that up by by looking at the counts um, but they obviously they have to do further testing to determine exactly what's causing it mm -hmm. and the further testing is another thing like some people will get their blood work and it's abnormal and then they're scared to go for the further testing because they kind of think like oh if I don't address this then it's not real exactly yeah. Um, so because it is very scary. For it is. It is. How has this been in terms of like lifestyle or or affect your brother's life in terms of like um, generally like if there are things that um, has affected in his day to day life or anything like that particularly. Well, yeah, I think to, to talk about that, you have to talk about the treatment um, mm -hmm. for this type of cancer because it is it is pretty brutal. So initially, they'll do an induction phase of chemotherapy, which knocks out all of the, the leukemic cells. Um, and then they'll do testing to see if there's any left. And then, you know, he had to go back for some consolidation chemotherapy um, to knock out any remaining leukemic cells. Then they set you up for a um, stem cell transplant. And in order to set somebody up for a stem cell transplant, they need to give you a very high dose of chemotherapy that knocks out all of your cell lines. Um, and then they give you the stem cells and then the stem cells graft into your bone marrow. And what happens then is that you are now, you now have cells from somebody else. And so those cells can see your own organs as foreign and start attacking them. Mm -hmm. So they put you on immunosuppressants. And of course, now with COVID going around, um, it's very important that, you know, my brother or anybody with these types of cancers are, you know, protect themselves. And, you know, we all have a responsibility to put on our masks and, mm -hmm. you know, make sure that we, we keep other people in mind. So for my brother, you know, he really can't leave, you know, his apartment. Um, because of the immunosuppressants that he's on. He lives with his girlfriend in his apartment. So I'm always wary of like helping him out or going out to his apartment because I'm afraid that I'm going to bring, you know, especially coronavirus or any type of infection. Um, right. You know, we wear masks, obviously. And, you know, I try to support him, you know, as best I can. Mm -hmm. 
When you talk to him, because I know my father has uh, leukemia as well, and I know that he, just the type of person that he is, he doesn't like to talk about it. So, like, if you're ever speaking to him, it, don't don't bring it up. My everything was fine. You know, it, it's he's not ha- doesn't like to dwell on it or anything like that. And I wonder, is that something that you experience as well, or or, or well, or- you know, my brother is an avid reader, and so he's probably read every single um, you know research paper there is out there <laughs> on on mm-hmm. leukemia, okay. uh, acute myeloid leukemia. So you know, it's not it's not a topic that we shy away from, and right. everybody deals with things differently. And, you know, if he didn't want to talk about it, I would totally support that. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, for for him and even, you know, for me too, it's like, we want to know exactly what we're dealing with and we want to know what to expect because, you know, knowledge is power and it gives you, it gives you the ability to, to deal with things. I think that my brother is very motivated to be healthy and kind of hopefully move past this. Um, you know, with myeloid leukemia, the average age of somebody getting this disease is like 72. Um, so it's very uncommon for somebody to be this young. My brother is 30 to have this disease. So he's got youth on his side. Um, you know, his, his transplant went well. And, um, you know, he really only has the future to look forward to. Now, was this a bone marrow transplant that he had? So, okay, here's the limits of my medical knowledge. You know, (laughs) I thought it was a bone marrow transplant, but it's a stem cell transplant, which is kind of the same thing, I think, because I think the, the bone marrow cells, has stem cells in it. Is that right? Right. The, st- the stem cells graft to the bone marrow, and then they 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 start to regenerate the different cells. Um, it's a it's a process called chimerism, I, I believe. Um, do not do not quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, because I've seen, um, I think it's be the match or something like that. Um, yeah. where you can donate your bone marrow. And I've looked into it, but my, my blood is tainted from my medicine, so I can't yes. <laughs> donate, yeah. but you can sign yeah. up. And then if you match with somebody, um, you know, I know a lot of companies have like a donation policy where like you'll get a week off paid or whatever, um, because it's an intense donation to give. And it's a, or I don't know if it's a painful one or if what it involves, but um, it's in high demand. Definitely. Yeah, I was definitely I was going to bring this up that, you know, you can sign up at bethematch.org and they'll send you two swabs in the mail and you just swab your mouth and send it back to them. And then you'll be part of the registry so that any any person who needs um, bone uh, bone marrow transplant or stem cell transplant um, can can look for your, um, you know, your uh, donation in in the registry. and it's, you know, for my brother, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the gentleman who donated his, his stem cells saved my brother's life. Um, so it's very important that people do this. And, you know, there's also other considerations. You know, my brother luckily is a, is a young white male. So it's very easy to find, um, you know, a match for him. But, you know, especially, you know, people of color, women of color, especially don't have you know, the same range of options because there's not as many people donating um, that, that will match with them. So if you know anybody, tell them to sign up, be the match.org and, and, and put them on the registry. So is, is the match uh, have to be similar in, I guess, genetic makeup 
to, to yeah they, there's there's like again limits of my medical knowledge there's <laughs> there's 10 factors that they look for um and i don't know what those are but you know they generally try to look for somebody as close as possible so typically you know they'll look for like a sibling if the sibling mm-hmm. isn't a match they'll try to look for somebody who is both demographically and you know genetically similar for sure now you said that um he's young to have this particular leukemia is there any sort of cause or these things just kind of happen so they so people in the medical uh, community don't really know exactly why uh, acute myeloid leukemia appears it is thought there for to appear for a number of reasons one um the reason that uh, people are older when they get it is because they've had some type of chemotherapy or chemo radiation therapy um, that is thought to potentially uh, cause acute myeloid leukemia. The other major factor that they think causes uh, acute myeloid leukemia, leukemia is exposure to um, a compound called benzene, which is found in petroleum. So lots of people who work in the oil industry end up with this disease. And if you live on Long Island and you're listening, um, there's a school district, the Northport School District, their middle, middle, middle school was um, you know, found to have benzene in the septic tanks. And you know, there was a battle going on for a decade about um, you know, people getting sick, you know, weird smells in the school. And they finally, I think this year, just shut down the school. Um, so yeah. You know, benzene and potentially, you know, chemotherapy are causes, but really they don't know for sure. I'm curious if you have noticed the same thing. I, I found that because prior to COVID, I always made a big deal about the flu and I was only allowed to get the flu shot for the first time last year. And I had to actually fight to get it. I had to get a doctor's note saying, yes, I'm allowed to have this. Please give this to her. Um, and so many people didn't take it seriously. They'll be like, oh, I've, I've never got the flu or I, I don't get sick. And then it'd be like, okay, you don't get sick, maybe, but you still carry the germs. You're bringing those germs to me and I'm going to catch the flu. And the flu was, could be just as serious and just as devastating. Even a, you know, a bad cold could be devastating to somebody who's immunocompromised and can't fight it off. So do you find that people have a better understanding of supporting other people or do you think that people still don't care through covid you know um there's there's pros and cons here i think what i'm happy about is a large majority of people at least that i know are wearing their masks they're they're doing their best to be socially distant and that will hopefully help you know stop the spread of the flu you know stop the spread of covid obviously but there is you know unfortunately a lot of people who don't care right um you know because it's it's sort of like um you don't care unless it happens to you right Right. and um you know i just urge people to think about like anybody can get leukemia anybody can get a type of cancer you can become immunocompromised at any point in time and would you want to live your life in fear it's really not that hard to put on a mask you know Mm -hmm. well i mean comparing um treatment from doctors from both of you in terms of believing uh, your mild symptoms that weren't showing up on things. Do you think you guys had similar experiences or do you think you would have been treated differently if you both weren't, you know, white men? (laughs) Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I sometimes think I'm very lucky that 
you know, I have a privilege that some people don't. Um, you know, I talked to my, my, my sister also has, uh, you know, an autoimmune disease and, um, you know, kind of the trouble that she went through to, to, to get actually diagnosed. Um, I think, you know, for my brother, um, you know, it was serious enough from the beginning that um, he was taken seriously. For me, um, you know, I have a very kind of like squirrely voice, you know, I kind of sound like a kid or like a, a young kid, you know, I don't have a very commanding voice. So I definitely think there was some kind of like talking down to, um, but I'm also very persistent. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky for that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I don't want to go into a whole nother segment about your sister. Um, but do, do you think that she as a woman um, in her autoimmune diagnosis? Did she have a long journey to get answers like you did? Yeah. yeah, there was definitely a sense that, you know, again, I'm not her, I can't speak specifically to her experience. But just from what I know, there was this sense of like, meh, yeah, you know, you're just kind of oh, being over dramatic or, yeah, you know, gaslighting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Well, Ricky, do you have any other questions that you want to ask in here? No other questions, I don't think. But it was, you know, it's really great that you were able to tell uh, about your allergy and then also about all the stuff about your brother. I mean, this is, I think you're incredibly knowledgeable about what he has going on. And I think that that's really great that he has someone like you who's so uh, supportive in a way and so involved in a way. Uh, so that that's great that he has that night. And, and I appreciate you, him allowing you to share that with us. And then for you to, to share it with us so eloquently was, was really great. So it's, and it's definitely tough. So, uh, so, you know, if there's any way that we can help, you know, either, either one, you know. Yeah, I think this month is um, the Leukemia Walk, right? Right, yeah, October. Yeah, so if you guys are fundraising at all, send us the link and we will share it. Thank you. Thanks. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, even though you guys have such different stories and um, different conditions going on, you still had, you know, the same thing. There's something that's not right. Pay attention to it. Get your answers. You don't like the answer. Ask again. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really proud of you for being so persistent. Not everybody's yeah. able to do that. And I'm also really proud of you for being really vocal when you're just out and about in life, trying to avoid avocados like the plague. And then also just thank you for wearing a mask around your brother. It's, uh, well, Nick, thank you so much for telling us about your allergy and for speaking on behalf of your brother. And thank you to your brother for allowing you to share his story. I think it's really important and we're really happy to have you on. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, sick invite, guys. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs>